It's that time again. Time to catch up with family. Time to share that home cooking that you've been craving. And yes, time to update your COVID vaccine. Updated vaccines that protect against the original COVID virus and Omicron. They're here just in time to make those family gatherings safer and extra special. Schedule your free vaccine today. Find updated COVID vaccines for everyone five and over at vaccines.gov. We can do this. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. And before we get to our episode today, I just wanted to share some additional points and thoughts that we've been given and, you know, uh, having conversations with our friends at HHS on the importance of vaccines. And I know that as we turn the corner in fall of 2022, as we look forward to Thanksgiving, as we've been enjoying more in-person events and football season and all the things that we really truly enjoy, let's not forget that COVID is still around us, that people are still uh, getting sick from COVID and the after effects of COVID will impact everybody and our community in particular for a lot longer than I think uh, we're thinking about. And so so some things I wanted to share. Uh, more people have been hospitalized from Omicron infections than any other variant. It's still affecting our community. And the best way is to get your COVID vaccines updated, uh, particularly if you have uh, additional considerations that make you a little bit more vulnerable. And so the updated vaccines protect you against the both original COVID strain and the current Omicron strain. And it's available for anybody five and over. And you can actually get pediatric uh, vaccines too for your younger ones. Um, all of our kids at home are either vaccinated or in the process of getting fully vaccinated. And if you catch COVID, you know, it is now that uh, the HHS has shared that it is treatable with antiviral and monoclonal antibody medications. Always talk to your doctor about these things. And if you are feeling symptoms, we encourage you to either talk to your doctor or get to the hospital if you are having severe symptoms. And even if you don't think it's that serious, um, something to always think about. And so, again, take a objective and uh, honest look at your risk of complications based on your age, your other symptoms that you may have had or other conditions that you may have had in the past or how many times you have COVID in the, in the previous two and a half years. And so study after study, we've known that even after having COVID, uh, getting a vaccine can boost immunity and extend protection against reinfections. And so take care of yourself, take care of uh, the ones that you love, your family, your friends, uh, make sure to get yourself vaccinated, continue to talk about vaccines, especially the updated boosters for your family your pharmacies, your doctor's offices, and government agencies are still continuing to administer the COVID vaccines. And as we enter the colder months, as we enter more times that we are spending indoors because of the weather and because of festivities, we highly encourage you to go check that out. Again, you can go get more information at vaccines.gov. And we thank the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services for their continued support of Asian American storytelling here on Dear Asian Americans. Hey, everybody, welcome to Dear Asian Americans, and really, thanks for taking the time to listen to our pre-intro uh, to the show from our friends and supporters at HHS. It is important uh, for me personally and for me as a community member to make sure that we are um, receiving factual and truthful information about the vaccines, and I would think that the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services is a pretty good, reliable source. And so, Thanks to them for their continued support of our show. 
And this show is going to be a little bit different. Uh, we are, uh, we've been here for two and a half years. Uh, we're on episode 173 with this particular episode. And for the majority of those episodes, uh, we've been interviewing guests, interviewing amazing Asian Americans from all walks of life, from multiple generations, from different countries, people who pray differently, people who believe in different things. And, you know, it has been a while since we've taken a pause from our interviewing of amazing guests to really think and talk about what the show has meant uh, from an internal perspective, particularly from my perspective. And Patrick is here to chat with me about this. And his life has changed considerably since the time he was a guest here on this show two plus years ago. And so there's a lot going on behind the scenes with the Asian Americans. Great partnerships that we're going to announce soon. Some amazing, amazing guests that you're going to hear from from now for the next few months. And so for many of you joining, you may not have had the chance to learn about my story or hear from me too much. And so we thought we'd do that. And so um, if you're new to the show, we actually really encourage you. I would love it if you go back and listen to some other episodes in our traditional format where I interview really, really great Asian Americans, many of them friends of mine, or all of them now friends of mine, but maybe uh, friends since we've we've talked on this show. And if you are an avid listener of the show, thank you. And we hope that we can share with you a little bit of insight beyond and behind the mic to share with you a little bit of my journey and to share with you some of the things that I've experienced and and what Patrick is going through as he helps us with the show and finds you know his own voice in the podcast and beyond universe. And so Patrick, how are you doing, man? I'm doing pretty well. Um tired from traveling, but excited because of the opportunities that allowed me to take those travels. Um a lot of them springing from my own podcasting journey, but a lot of them starting with you, Jerry. So excited to be here and have this conversation with you today. You just got back from Dallas functionally, or I guess technically, but then more, the more important trip that you took recently uh, was back to Korea. And we talked about it on the previous episode. So I think before we talk about me and all the wonderful things that have been happening for me and how I'm trying to process this balance between gratitude and being exhausted all the time and all these things, um, we'd love to hear from you sort of your high level thoughts on what that trip meant for you, what made you want to take it. And I guess before we do that, let's give the audience a little perspective and, and uh, context on sort of why it was so important for you to go back. So for those who don't know, I am a Korean-American adoptee, was adopted from Seoul, Korea in 1990, and grew up in a rural town in Indiana. And for me, it was really important to go back to Korea because I just didn't have access to that identity, to that culture, to that community where I grew up and when I was growing up. And so if you want to hear about more of my experience, you can listen to episode 64 of this show, uh, of which I was a guest on to get a little bit further context. But um, this trip meant a lot to me because I was able to return to my country of origin for the first time. And over the past two and a half years, I've been going through this identity journey. And this was another big step for me. And what did that mean for you? I know we talked a lot offline, obviously, about preparing for the trip, getting mentally psyched, but you also did share some things um, on Instagram and LinkedIn about just you didn't feel like an outsider because you looked around and everybody, for the most part, looked like you and nobody looked at you like you didn't belong. You know, I think I was really worried 
that I was going to still feel that. Um, you know, I've heard stories from other adoptees who have talked about returning to their countries of origin and still feeling out of place, particularly from a language perspective. And I just uh, never picked up on the language. I've really set out and tried to learn it. And so that was a big fear of mine was that that language barrier was going to hold me back from feeling like I could be Korean in Korea uh, when I'd grown up for most of my life not feeling that way. And luckily, that just wasn't the case. I had a couple phrases, a couple words that allowed me to get by and just found myself feeling very comfortable code switching. And when I did that for the first time, I was met with a Korean response from the person that I was speaking to, like they thought I was truly Korean and had spoke the language for forever. And that made me feel really seen in a way that I'd never felt seen in my identity, even after I had done all this work for the past two years. And so to feel that in a place, the place of my birth, a place that I just really didn't have a physical connection to for so long meant so much because I felt like I'd all the work that I'd been doing, it felt like I'd reached a plateau and I didn't necessarily think there was another step. It was more of just bolstering where I had landed. And that those moments in Korea that I had were that next step showed me I still have more that I can do. The reason I asked you to share that story is, is really important for me because I think the entire theme of how my life has been affected, I want to say changed, but really affected by starting this show is that I don't know what I expected to have happened in my life. I think there is a balance of humility of, hey, I'm just trying to do good by the community, which is an honest statement. But also, I started this as a business because I do see the potential of Asian American storytelling being a great business opportunity to be able to take care of my family. And that requires confidence, yes, and a little bit of healthy ego to believe that I can do a better job than anybody else at building this platform anchored around the Asian American story. And so I think when you go into it, especially in a vertical, in a genre that really has not been attempted too many times before, you really don't know what the world of possibility is. And so I've been starting to say this phrase, which may or may not make sense to all of you, but I have started to check off things on my bucket list that I did not even know that could be on a bucket list. And I, I share that story with you, Patrick, and to our audience and all these things, definitely not to brag. That is not the point. It is really to share and to encourage all of you, every single one of you, to own your story and to do something. Because I would really, really love for my legacy not to be the person who changed Asian American storytelling or did all these cool things and and, and built a business or built a you know great future for my family. Yes, I want to do that. But I just want to be known as a person who gave somebody else, many people who I don't even know, the implicit permission to do that. And so if you're on the fence about starting your own content journey, writing your own book, starting your own podcast, or even raising a hand in your class and saying, hey, as an ex-American, here are my thoughts, or standing up for injustice that we see so often in the world, particularly in the recent past. And so this notion that I ventured down this path almost out of necessity in a time where there was so much uncertainty in the world, looking back, and I'm not done yet, but looking back at this 
whatever break we want to call it, it's it's really been humbling to sit and um, try to process what in the world is happening, how is it happening, why is it happening, and I've been going full speed with everything, uh, with the podcast, with speaking, with community events um, for it's October, so maybe the last six months um pre apam and through apam and all the way through and then between that and we have two toddlers at home and so they keep us busy and alert and awake i i have not really had a time to sit and pause and to even just process i think i've had moments of what you know it's really like just a big giant wtf moment of what why and how but it's been incredible and for me to get a front row seat to the voice that you have gained, Patrick, and starting various platforms and, and building relationships and venturing off into things and creating a brighter future for your own family, I think has really been one of the most humbling things that I can say about the impact of my work. And it's really hard for me to even say those things because culturally and socially, I've always been told to just keep your head down and to have the flowers to use a Gen Z term come to you. <laughs> and we've never really been taught or coached or even encouraged to talk about factual things that we have done or accomplished in a way that isn't bragging, but it simply is the truth because these are the things that have happened. And so uh, on that note too, as, as uncomfortable as it may feel the first time you do it, uh, begin to practice talking about your accomplishments or even just the impact that you've created in a way that is factual, truthful, and defensible without making it making yourself feel like you're bragging or that you're being an egotistical whatever. It's and I'm telling you, it's even for me, it's really, really hard to to toe that line and to strike that balance. Well, like you said, you know, you've been able to sit and watch my journey and through through the work of Dear Asian Americans and what you've put into it, you know, you're giving people, especially from our community in particular, from my perspective, that implicit permission to be able to do that, not only to tell your story, but to own it and say, oh, that is okay for me to talk about this. It is okay for me to utilize my platform in this way, um, to get vulnerable, to get um, deep about things that we, again, like you said, don't historically or haven't historically felt like we had the permission to do. and you have been able to watch a lot of other people, you know, probably 160, I would say, of the 173 episodes that have been out, 160 different individuals talk about the ways that they've went through the changes and how they've changed and what what they've done. Be able to list some of those tangible, factual accomplishments in a way that they're proud of. And so I wanted to be able to ask you that same question. I think that's the whole reason that we're having this episode today is to find out, you know, what has changed for you and what have been some of those factual um, monumental moments during this 173 episode run that, you know, have really stuck with you? I share this with everybody um, on our White House reflection episode and in, I guess in, in some subsequent episodes where I've talked to guests about stuff, um, you know, it was really getting the validation uh of acceptance of pride from my dad. I think 
you know, we don't do things, maybe some of us do, um, unknowingly perhaps, you know, strive for acceptance and validation from our parents for the career, life, romantic, whatever choices we make in life. You know, I started doing this work as a father of two post-MBA, leaving that post-MBA salary on the table to pursue this greater goal of sharing Asian American stories during COVID and just being stubborn, believing in myself that I could make this into a viable business. Telling that implicitly and explicitly to your Korean immigrant father doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I I really think that for a long time, uh, they didn't understand or just not even understand, but know what I did. Hell, I had barely a sense of what I was doing. I was making it up as I went. Some days I still feel like that I am. And so I think to have it really come full circle and to have the external validation of getting that invitation to show up, again, specifically for the work that I was doing and amplifying our stories, I think it also showed not only my parents, but many other first-generation people that the way that we define the Asian American dream or the American dream isn't limited to the world that they grew up in. Because I think they want the best for us, all of our parents do. And so for them, the playbook was study hard, go to a good school, get a good job, make some money, be respected, safety. That was it. And, and, you know, provide a better life, again, along those same guidelines. And so when you veer off that path, when your parents are concerned or seem displeasing of your choices, it's not to hate, it just doesn't compute. And so that was, uh, you know, personally, the most validating moment. And, and that event in and of itself was a whirlwind, um, whirlwind getting invitation to go and, you know, flying across country and going out there and seeing all these people and just sitting there going, what am I doing here? Look at all these people. You know, <laughs> there's Minjin, there's Daniel, there's Michelle Kwan, there's so-and-so. And you're like, just looking at each other with amongst friends and being like, we're on the same damn guest list. They might be looking at you the same way. And we need to celebrate that. And so that probably, you know, Aside from marriage, kids, caveats, <laughs> like still one of the coolest moments of my life. I love it. And I think that, you know, we talk about trying to find moments of joy. We've talked, you and I have talked about offline how at, while being storytellers, it kind of sucks that we share stories of trauma a lot. And that's how, you know, people start to pay attention to what's going on in the community or what's happening. And sometimes that's how the stories come out. And so we don't, or we want to try and celebrate the joys more. And I think you going to the White Houses and getting that invitation, not just yourself, but, you know, a lot of people in our community, a lot of friends of the show, um, was a really big moment, I think, for, for all of you. And you talk about how looking around and being like, oh, we're on this guest list now, coupled with the validation that you got from your father about seeing the work that you've done with Dear Asian Americans come to this fruition, um, this inflection point, how has, has that, I guess not how has, but has that changed the way that you view what you're doing with the podcast now? I think so. I I guess it's both. I think so, but I'm not sure. I, I started this show 
with the direct goal of creating stories for my kids and their generation. Then it soon became evident that we needed it in our generation. And I think the next evolution of that is, how can we bring others along to help them understand what we've been going through in this country? I still, whenever I get into recording mode, is thinking about how can I make sure that my kids can benefit from this story? How can I get them to be inspired about what is possible, what is feasible? How can they learn from the challenges, the setbacks, and the turnarounds from all of my guest stories so that they can learn something from it? I I think what's been an evolving thing from a holistic perspective is who are these stories really for? Who can it really touch? And then to be frank, because I'm still running this as a business, realizing that I barely have touched the tip of the iceberg of what is possible from a reach perspective and from a growth perspective as a business. I've been doing this for two and a half years, almost three years now. And people who know me, know me singularly as the podcast guy, the Asian Americans host, etc. I will still meet people from our community, very heavily involved community leaders at events, at places. They go, what do you do? Oh, I host a podcast or an Asian American storytelling. I speak for a living. I'm doing this and that. They go, oh, what's the name of your podcast? It's the Asian Americans. They go, huh. And I'm both part of it is like, like you haven't heard the other part, right? Because I've been working my butt off on this, you know? <laughs> I mean, not everybody. There are people be like, oh, I heard of it. That's you? That's so cool. Or, you know, the uh, the often, oh, I love your show, right? Mm. And that makes me feel, <laughs> that makes me feel like validated in that way. However, what gets me the most excited is when people don't know. Because that tells me that I have so much more work to do. And so if people who are involved in Asian American organizations, who show up to events, who volunteer for stuff, um, if they don't know, and that's actually my target core audience, imagine how many people who still want to hear these stories, need to hear these stories. I, I still have to, um, you know, that's, that's the job and that's the task at hand. And then, so that's really exciting for me. But again, from a reach perspective, again, there's 4 billion of us Asians in the world and uh, we're never going to be able to share everybody's story. My goal is to try to tell as many so that everybody feels like their story can be uh, resonant and relevant to however they're living their lives. You know, and some people just find me literally by Googling me as you did. And, and this next story is super cool. I got a cold email maybe six weeks ago from one of the press secretaries or somebody on the press secretary team of the vice president, like the vice president of our country. Love what you're doing, would love to chat. I'm like, what's going on? You know, but my first instinct was, oh, you know, we've had folks who work at the White House on the show. We've had people who used to work at the White House on the show. And, you know, I we've built some friendships with folks in uh, the administration. So I said, maybe it passed my name along. And so I, I have a conversation with this person and, um, I said, you know, I'm just curious who, who, who told you about me? He goes, nobody. I just Googled it. So I said, what, what did you Google? <laughs> I said, Asian American podcast. And so, you know, that conversation actually led to me 
going back to the White or going back to DC about six weeks ago for a very amazing, another ridiculous what is going on in the world type of experience for me, where we were at the official residence of the vice president at a small gathering of media professionals, a very diverse room, just amazing to be there and to meet her uh, and, and to chat with her briefly, as, as briefly as it was about <laughs> the work that I do. And then she thanked me for doing this work. And, and, you know, I, I think we had both the Asian American community and the California thing going, which was super cool. <laughs> sure. Um, and so we had we had a double bonus there. But, you know, uh, after learning about what I did, she said, thank you. And so that's ridiculous. Right. And again, these things are happening. Um, I'm still trying to. Process. The what the what I is fine. Right. The what is just mm -hmm. ridiculous. Right. Um, the, the how and the why. Right. Which also critically important, but are also explainable, right? And then the one question that I didn't pose earlier is, now what? Or so what, right? What comes from these things that I can do to help further the mission of Asian American storytelling, right? Which we haven't shared this in a long time, but the initial three emphases of the show were to educate and to elevate and to inspire. Right, or to celebrate, educate, and inspire, right? And so that helps with the mission critically. The fact that the vice president knows about the show. Um, and so, you know, in that moment, I was like, here's your chance. Ask her, right? <laughs> so I was like, how do you ask her? There's a group of about seven of us, right? Um, like five guests, her, and then a couple of her team. So maybe a little bit more than seven. Um, and she said, you know, I really appreciate you and thank you for, you know, sharing Asian American stories, the stories from our community that maybe we can share yours one day. And there was a Move. pause. Right. <laughs> and, then, and then she goes, maybe we will. And I froze. I was like, did you just say yes? Um, and so, you know, and then my brain's like, play it cool. Follow up with your team and see if you can make it happen. You're not going to like find a time at the event be like hey you want to open up your phone you know let, let's see yeah <laughs> open can up you your google your calendar, google calendar right? yeah, for yeah, me yeah. really quickly <laughs> or here's my calendar madam vice president <laughs> book a time that is convenient for you and so you know things like that right and things like that this year um i guess you know if you just listen to the show or if you know me predominantly primarily from the show you may or may not know that I actually spend the most of my time from a professional perspective doing speaking engagements, workshops on topics anywhere from Asian American experiences to the intersection of Asian American identity and leadership in professional development, uh, how I used personal branding to build my business, creator economy. I, you know, I, I am very blessed to do what I do for work. And as the world has opened up and as campuses have opened up, I've been spending a tremendous amount of time on the road, constantly exhausted, um, <laughs> going across time zones, um, you know, airplanes, hotels, rental cars, you know, you, you name them all. And I just, I, I can't believe that I, I get to do this. Um, and the places that I get to do this at is still how, you know, and 
and, and I guess the professional context too for for folks who may know may not know is you know I graduated from business school from Michigan five years ago, and for the first two years after that, I went down what you're supposed to do the traditional path. So I went to consulting, exited out to uh, a different company in the, in the tech space, and so I, you know I, I was checking the boxes of what you're supposed to do. Then I took a hard pivot and said, you know, none of this is sensible for me or my family. And so I'm going to go down this path of being a podcaster and a speaker and a media entrepreneur. That also doesn't compute, right? And so in the same way that it is really hard for my father to understand what path I'm going, a lot of my peers, particularly uh, business school classmates, really had a hard time understanding why the hell would you do that? And, and add in the community aspect to it, add in the identity piece to it, when business is supposed to be meritocratic and really the best get, you know, a best rise to the top. Why are you talking about race? You know, why, what are you talking about on LinkedIn? What, what is this race stuff, right? Um, just be good, you know? And, and so to, to make full circle and um, in, in a bit of, you know, sort of a tongue-in-cheek or self-deprecating humor, I sometimes call the work that I do the speaking at schools I didn't get into tour um, <laughs> or companies that I didn't get accepted into tour. But I think it's just, you know, I say incredible just from the fact that it is really still hard for me to fully process and to believe that I get invited to speak at companies, at schools of such great stature and, and of great uh, impact in the world to share my specific Asian American story with their students, with their colleagues, with their executives, to help them better understand what we go through and to make life in those institutions and beyond a little bit more safe, comfortable and, um, you know, relatable to the everyday person. And so that's how I've been spending my time. And if you, if you listen to the show once a week, you hear me talking to folks and, um, you know, and if you do the math, it's like, Hey, it's four interviews a month. And you're right. Patrick does an amazing job doing a lot of the behind doing all of the behind the scenes work. And so, you know, that doesn't take up a chunk of, you know, the, the majority of my day to day, but, you know, I, I'm working with, you know, companies and, you know, uh, consulting folks and, and speaking. And that is not a completely separate business. It is very much tied to this work in the podcasting space and really has the, the growth of the speaking business has been absolutely accelerated by the impact that we've been able to have here on the show. Well, that was what I wanted to ask you about too. And I, I do want to say that Having had the privilege and the honor of following along with you on part of that uh, schools I didn't get into tour in in APAM of 2022, um, I can genuinely say the impact that you leave, not only on the companies that you speak at, but particularly the students that you speak with. Um, you know, you don't only just go and speak and then dip out. You you make you you are intentional about the time that you take when you're there, and you are intentional about bringing in and, and asking folks uh, from specifically the Asian American student organizations to, to sit down, learn, share stories, share meals, um, and just build community together. And I think it's, I think it's really, really incredible to see that in action. And I think that's, again, somebody who might just listen to the show and only know you, your voice from sitting down and talking to one other person might could think that, Oh, this is all that there is to it. Uh, he's, he, he talks to people, and he amplifies their voices. But really, you're doing the, that behind-the-scenes work as well through the speaking business. And like you said, all of that or a lot of that has come because of the doors that have been opened via the podcast. And I think 
the anecdote about getting invited to the VP's house, you know, that kind of organic word of mouth where he's just like, for whatever reason, I'm going to search Asian American podcasts and there you are. You know, that is a door opened um, in a similar way to how you get to go back to these businesses, get to go back to these schools and have these conversations. So how, what other doors are being opened for you through the podcast? I think from an impact perspective, I've been really blessed to work and partner with many of the leading Asian American nonprofits who whose work lives at the intersection of professional development, leadership, identity, and community. And so whether it is LEAP or NAP or the Asian American Foundation, just SACE, um, it's, it's been really an honor to be invited. And, and oftentimes, again, when I always try to find out, you know, why and how they invited me, and it is really, really humbling because it, it comes from the bottom right? It comes, it's a bottoms up approach where, you know, our members, our students requested you. And so, you know, sometimes you're just sitting there going, what in the world is happening? Again, it is just, you know, uh, again, uh, really hard to fathom or even believe like, you know, again, what is going on? How are these things happening? And it's, it's, I don't know how else to put it, Patrick, it has been really, really cool. But again, I, I don't think that I am anybody special. You know, I, I do admit the privileges that I have, right? I went to amazing schools. Uh, I've been able to work uh, at some incredible places, work with amazing people. And I've been growing uh, a really supportive network of friends and uh, community members for the last better part of the last 20 years uh, since college. And so I, I admit that I have those superpowers. But my story isn't unique. And again, what I hope to inspire others through the podcast and through other stuff that I do is to encourage other people to one, find that voice. And then perhaps equally important or more importantly, put themselves in places where that work and that story is valued. Because it's not enough that you believe your story matters if you speak up for the first time or if you volunteer or whatever you do to get that story out and you're not encouraged, you're gaslit, you're put down and you're saying your story doesn't matter, then you're never going to do it again because it takes a lot of courage and a lot of bravery to get to that point of wanting to share your story. And we've been told for far too long in this country and even around the world that our stories don't matter and that we're just good for our output that we're just good for work to, you know, crunch those numbers and come up with those spreadsheets. And, you know, it's, it's, I think incredible, you know, and, and I think there are pivotal moments in, in my life where, you know, I started to believe those things and uh, there's a lot of encouragement along the way. And again, I, I have benefit, I am the beneficiary of so much love and care and privilege along the way. Um, I, I want to encourage everybody else. Um, I'm not going to say something so, you know, empty, like if I can do it, you can do it. Our circumstances are extremely different, but find your own way of how you can make it work. Right. And, and, and so, you know, that's what I hope to do, you know, sort of on, on the other end of the question. I think I've mo answered most of these things from sort of the impact versus, you know, business part. 
our little podcast has worked with Penguin Random House, one of the biggest publishers in the world. Freaking McDonald's twice. <laughs> you know, um, we've been partnering with the federal government through the census and the HHS campaigns a fourth time now. That means so much to me because, sure, it helps the business run, but it means that they trust us to get the message out and that that our platform, our podcast, has been intentionally built over the last two and a half years to have the, the, the trust and care of these brands who, frankly, invest a lot of money into their branding and their messaging. And so to, to work with partners uh, and shout out to all of our friends who actually make this work happen, the amazing world of Asian American advertising agencies and our friends there, uh, TDW at IW Group at Intertrend at International Secret Agents. I, it's incredible how it has come to fruition. And you, what you may not see is all the hard work that goes behind it, you know, <laughs> um, the, the pitchings, the, the going back and forth, the relationship building, the explanation of sharing your vision. Because, again, there are many Asian American podcasts that exist, that have existed, and many more that will exist. We're one of the very few that we've been intentionally and have, I think, have been able to work with some of these brands. And, and that's uh, an extreme source of pride for me that we've been able to do that. You'll hear more about it soon, probably in about a month, but we are working with Toyota. Yep, that Toyota uh, <laughs> to do a series of podcast episodes, maybe in their vehicles, maybe not going back on the road to do a series of night market events in the holiday season with their support and, and some other ridiculous things that might happen here very, very soon. And again, it, it's again, it's validating, right? And I, I want to go back to what I started with, which is my entire professional journey in this has been this impossible balancing act of humility and ego, of impact and income. And I don't know how to do it properly because nobody's talked about it. I don't say nobody. Not enough people have talked about it. Mm. I think we're really good at doing community things and asking people to volunteer and to donate and all of our wonderful friends in the community who do nonprofit work. I think we're very good at that. And of course, we have a lot of people in our community that are really good business people and you know can make money doing all sorts of stuff, right? From mom and pop, you know, liquor stores and dry cleaners to multi-bazillion dollar industries. Living at that intersection is something that I want to demonstrate that it is feasible and that we can do good work serving the community while building something meaningful up. And so, you know, that's the balance for me. I think on, on some days I, I lean one way or the other, but when, when I think about the impact that we can have, it, it goes back to how many people can you impact and you do as long as we live in this current capitalist society, we do need economic power to drive some of those engines. And so it is important to call out the financial support that we get from these large organizations 
and the work that it allows us to do, whether it is paying for editing services or paying for marketing or even simply making sure that my kids are taken care of so that I can focus on this. Because trust me, if this doesn't pay the bills, I got to go get a job and I don't want to do that. Um, and, and so that's been really, really fun. You know, we're, we're approaching, um, I mean, it'll be March before we know it. And so, you know, it'll be wrapping up three years of this. Um, we'll, we'll approach 200 episodes sometime next year. And we're going to do some more fun stuff together. It has been just an incredible journey. And I don't know how many adjectives I can come up with that are better than incredible. But, you know, incredible is one of those double meaning words, right? Factually, okay. tactically, it means in, not credible, believable. So it's like unbelievable. But incredible, maybe for the same, you know, connotation means amazing. Or at least we've, that's what we've decided incredible means. Right. And so, sure. Um, it's, it's, it's been that for me. I, I think about being able to look at my kids and to explain to them why I have to leave home at times. We're recording this the day before it airs, and it's almost eight o'clock on the West Coast. And I'll be on a plane at 7 a.m. going up to Seattle to work on a secret project. I think what I wanted to do when I pivoted away from corporate life three years ago was to be proudly and with a straight face, tell my kids with conviction why Appa has to leave home. And I hope that we can all get to a point where we do work that we believe in. We do work that is both meaningful and impactful for our families and that creates value for the community and for your and your own children so that we can look our kids in the eye and say, I am leaving. I, I don't want to leave, guys, but I am going to do this work that will both in the short term and the long term make your life better. And the privilege for me to be able to say that three short years after I went down this content journey has been the biggest honor of my life. Again, balancing, I get to go to Seattle to do a secret project that I can't tell you about yet, but you'll find out soon. And I'm constantly exhausted because I think I've, you know, um, Delta says I've been on 40 some odd planes this year, you know, and, and that's exhausting. <laughs> You know, and, and so it's just, you know, I, I, we always ask each other and our friends do, you know, how are you doing? And I, I think a lot about how we answer that question. You know, we want to just, you know, check the box and dismiss it. It's like, oh, I'm doing fine. Leave me alone. And then the people who always say that they're tired come off as complainers or pessimists like, why can't you be more grateful? I think we can be all of it at once. Be being grateful for these opportunities does not take away from the fact that I am actually tired. And thinking that these things are happening because of all the hard work that I put in and the humility of I can't believe it's happening can coexist at once in our heads. And, and it's something that is really, really hard to explain, I guess, you know, using words and particularly in, in, in such a, um, a binary world that, that we exist in. But you know, I, I get to do that and I, I have the potential through not only this work, but through other opportunities that have presented themselves by becoming open to growth and to open to new opportunities 
being able to change the trajectory of my family's, you know, uh, well-being in the next one, five years. And that's just because one day I decided that I needed to get these stories out. I was frustrated by so many quote-unquote business gurus giving us advice that wasn't meant for us. We didn't start off with the same privilege or never will have the same privilege. Uh, I got sick and tired of being told that Asians didn't do cool stuff and that Asian American stories don't matter. I got sick and tired of going to the bookstore and not seeing enough books written by us in any section of the bookstore. And why not? Just before we went on, former guest of the show and personal friend of mine, Vivian Tu, just signed a seven-figure book deal. Our people. Seven-figure book deal. She started her content journey less than two years ago. Our stories matter. Our perspectives matter. We can be impactful through the reach that we can have. And when you write a book at that scale, that means you're touching a lot of lives. And so, you know, I, I think we live in ambition. I think we also live in humility. I, I think we can do both. And I, I hope that through what I am doing, what you are doing, what so many of our peers are doing, that when we say the cliched things of, our children can do anything, that we actually mean it. Because I think when our parents said that, they wanted to mean it. They weren't sure. <laughs> I think they were extremely hopeful that it would be true by the time we got there that we could. And so I, I am I am grateful for you, Patrick. You you've turned in, you've turned in, you've turned from a random <laughs> dude uh who emailed me through Jonathan to, you know, guest to you know, we, we started the Chanchi show together and uh, now we work on this podcast together and I'm 99.9% .9 sure we'll do the more fun things together, both in business and, and in life. And the, the show has also obviously been only possible because people have said yes when I asked them to share their story. Um, oh, that's the other different thing that's changed since maybe the last time we, we talked about the show on the show is the direction of asking, of coming on the show has completely shifted. And so in the beginning, when you start a podcast, you're emailing all your friends and saying, <laughs> please, 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 please come on the show. We got like 10 listeners, but I guarantee you it's going to be good. And so big shout out to the first five, you know, Jonathan, Cass, Rajiv, Trisha, and PK. Like they said yes, because they believe in the idea and the importance of Asian American storytelling not because I was getting massive listens and they were going to get something out of it. And now through the last two and a half years, that slowly shifted to getting a lot of DMs and emails for people who want to promote and pitch their stuff to people asking friends to ask me to having official representatives of people whose names you would recognize reaching out and saying, what does it look like to get this person on your show? And again, that is an uncharted territory balance of humility and ego. It feels very powerful to say yes or no. I genuinely believe everybody, everybody's story is important and should be told. I physically can't have everybody's show on the air. And if there are fundamental differences in the way we see the world, I don't want you on the show. And maybe some people have a problem with that, but I built this platform to share positive and encouraging content for the community 
And so those considerations have to be made. And, you know, have I gotten all 170 right? No, right? Um, you, you learn some things about people after you do something with them and it, it lives on. Um, and so, you know, that's, I think, a part of the untold parts of the show that I think um, I will continue to learn from, continue to be humbled as, as I, you know, make mistakes and uh, learn from other people who've done some amazing things. Um, we haven't, you know, uh, touched all the wonderful, just wild things that have happened. But one thing that has happened is I was approached by an agent of one of the big Hollywood agencies to chat about potentially working with them to launch an Asian American podcast, a different version. And again, I don't know if it's going to happen or not. Um, but you're just sitting there going, I'm taking a meeting <laughs> with this person who represents that agency because they think I can make them money in essence, right? Like, <laughs> and you're going, what, you know? And again, I, I, I take these as not things to build my own ego house with, but as extremely grateful moments of validation that we're doing something right, that I need to do what I do because I'm, I'm telling you, um, we've focused on all the positives today, Patrick, but there are so many days I want to quit this. Um, there have been lulls if you go back where I don't upload for a few weeks at a time, and that's a challenge in and of itself. There are days when the revenue is dry. You know, we, we've we've moved past those challenging moments, so now we can say we're we're okay, and that the show is not going to go away for a while. And uh, with your help and involvement, we've set up some infrastructure to build a newsletter business, to figure out our processes and build a team. Shout out to Tammy and Ian for building our newsletter business this year, um, and to really build. And I think for me to go from a one man show to the leader of this thing. And what does that mean? I don't know, but we're growing and we're figuring it out. And if you've listened this far to the end of this episode, thank you. I, I don't know what else to say. Um, I, I wanted to pop in because I think that one, I have to, I have to commend you for mentioning your family. I think you didn't really talk about them leading into this end part. And I'm glad that you brought them up because I think it's, they're very foundational to what you've done with the show why the show exists in the first place, even outside of your own personal ambitions. Part of it comes from wanting to make sure you can take care of your family and model that kind of balance, that kind of behavior, that kind of thing that we've been maybe struggling to define a little bit because it's hard to explain And, and, and when, we, when we reach these points and when these doors that we didn't even realize we could reach for the handle for show up and open. In, in front of us and they're, and they're welcoming us to walk through, you know, you're modeling that not only for your family, but for the dear Asian Americans community that you have built here and that you're continuing to build and that you're seeing grow right before your very eyes, whether it be the small team that's helping you work on the show to literally the listeners who type in Asian American and Google and this show pops up. You're seeing that happen and have to commend you for for doing that even through the hard times. Because not everybody sees that. And just for you even naming them, not going into detail, but just naming some of the struggles that you, you've you went through or faced during this time, I think is really important as well. Because at the end of the day, you know, we are always going to try and put on our best face. And it doesn't always mean that that's what's going on. And that we're always trying to work through that balance. 
And so as we come to the end of the show, I had to, I had to pop in because I have to, I have to put on my Jerry one hat and pose this to you because you've been able to pose this question to everybody else who comes on the show. Because the whole reason that the title of the show is Dear Asian Americans is because it's a love letter to our communities, to our younger selves, to the people in our lives who need to hear what we need, what we, what we want to share and the words and the stories and the things that matter to us. And so before we go, would love if you could close out the show in the form of a letter with whatever advice you want to share with whoever it is that you feel like needs to hear it. Help us close the show out. By completing the letter, dear Asian Americans. Wow. Um, wow. I, I am actually speechless. Um, I, I I should have thought you were going to do this at the end, and so um, we're not editing this out. Editing this out. This is live in the moment. Um, live in the gray, and be okay with both, and. I think you can be both grateful to our parents for everything they provided for us and still wish things were a little bit different. I think you can love things, people, and organizations and still wish they were different. You can be extremely proud of the things that you've done and still be humble about it. I think we've been taught through whatever paradigms that you've been raised in, societal, community, culture, religion, name it, to be one or the other. And life doesn't work that way. And life moves through a balance of emotions and just momentum, right? They say that we never actually, as human beings, stay at one weight forever. We're all, in, in some micro sense, we're either growing or contracting. And I think life is the same. And I think we, we've just conditioned ourselves to think that if X, then Y. And if X, then maybe Y, maybe not Y. And that's what I've learned over the last two and a half years of building this business is that it's okay to think you are the greatest podcaster in the universe, sharing the best Asian American stories, and still be humbled at the fact that you get to do these things. That's something we don't talk about in our community often. To be authentic in the intent and also get it wrong and to make mistakes and to be okay with it. And it's hard. Um, it's really hard. Last May, we were celebrated by Apple freaking podcasts as the Asian American podcast to listen to. And that day, our Apple podcast rating dropped a point and a half out of a scale of five. I almost wish I didn't, you know, uh, I don't know, pump us up because I would have kept my rating at four seven. Right? <laughs> Even which, like, come on, four seven guys, come on. Um, but you know, I, I, that's I think being okay with not knowing, being okay with growth, venturing down a path, not knowing where it's going to go. I started this business knowing, believing in myself that I would make it into a successful business, that I would make enough money to take care of my family. But I had no idea precisely how and when I was going to make the money. And for some folks who are planning oriented, you would call me a dummy. And saying, why would you do that? But I believed in two things, the community and myself, because our stories matter. And I wanted to do it the way that I saw fit. And so that's, that's the, you know, be okay. And then obviously with all of that, take action. Whatever it is, do not let the confusion over left or right 
black and white give you pause and prevent you from taking the steps you need to to grow what you need to grow and the impact that you want to have. And so I don't know what you're doing listening to this, and I don't know how many of you guys are going to make it through this episode. But when you're done, take five minutes to t- turn off everything and to do the thing that's holding you back from being great. Whether it is making a phone call, sending an email, writing that LinkedIn post, sending that tweet, taking a photo, whatever it is, do the scary thing that you think is holding you back from taking that next step into you being the most authentic and bold and daring and accomplished version of yourself. It's scary. I get it. It is scary. But you don't know what's on the other side until you try. And you may not love it, but it could change your life. This show has changed my life. That's my way of teasing what's going to happen next week because I am so freaking excited. And I wish I could tell you why I'm going to Seattle tomorrow. But um, it is it has been the biggest honor of my life to be able to do this. And I want more people on this journey with me. Sometimes it's lonely. Sometimes it's not fun. <laughs> and the way that we can sort of mitigate or sort of you know counteract those things is for many more people to join us on this journey of uh, the power of Asian American storytelling. So uh, thank you so much um, to every single listener, to all the guests, to every single person who has had a part in making this show, from the people who designed the logo, to our interns over the past three years, and to the organizations and the businesses who support our show financially. Every single person who has ever liked an Instagram post, bought a t-shirt, sent me a DM, reviewed the show. The list goes on. Literally would not be here without every single one of you doing exactly what you did in that moment. Even the haters. So thank you. And you know, we, we hope you continue to come back to um, allow me to interview folks. And if you have suggestions, please let me know. And if you've always wanted to come on the show, and for whatever reason, you haven't put up your hand, there's going to be a link in the bio of the show notes for you to apply to be on the show. We review all of the applications. I read every single one. And if it's not now, it might be at a different time. Again, we can't only do one show a week. Um, and we wasted this week by not interviewing somebody. Sorry. Or I guess not wasted, but eliminated this week. But, you know, um, and if not, don't think that you have to be on this show to get your story out. Make your own show. Encourage somebody else. Be the cool as guest that's going to be the trajectory changer for somebody else's budding new Asian American show. And so <laughs> thank you from the bottom of my heart. I can't wait to keep going as exhausted as I am, as excited as I am, as energized as I am all in the same state. This show has been an incredible life changing thing for me and can't wait to keep changing the world. <laughs>